This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Several years ago, there was a play entitled The Red Shoes, which was a story about the ballet. The leading character was a little girl whose one ambition was to dance beautifully. This girl was being raised by an aunt of hers who wanted the girl to study from the master of all teachers. But to secure this teacher was no small accomplishment, for he demanded perfection in his pupils. And this called for a devotion to the art which put training above all else. In an interview with a little girl, the master teacher tested her to see if she really would accept such rigorous training. And so he asked her, little girl, why do you wish to dance? And then with a wide-eyed surprise at the thought that anyone would ever wish to do anything else, she replied, sir, why do you wish to live? It was plain, therefore, that to learn the grace of the ballet was the one thing she wanted above all else. And so the master took her as his pupil. This little girl's reply to that question was a good one. And it brings to light something about our own way of living. You can ask the average person, why do you wish to live? And you'll get some varied answers. Perhaps one answer which you'll get most of all might be something like this. Uh, I want to make a good living for me and my family so we can live comfortably. I want to have friends and live an honest life and if possible, save some money for retirement or enough to help get my children through school. Some wives who may choose a profession even more noble uh, than expertise in the marketplace, that of being a homemaker, may say something like this. I want to have a good home where I can bring my friends and I enjoy them. I want to be successful in the desire to have a loving family. Or for the ladies who choose to work outside the home, this person might say, I want to prove to myself and to others that I do have capabilities beyond cooking, sewing, house cleaning. I want to be able to supplement the family income so that we can enjoy some things in life that might not otherwise be possible just on my husband's salary. For those who are still in school, the answer to that question might be, I want to finish high school. I want to go on to college or some other school of advanced learning so I can live my dream. And practically all of these answers, one reason why they wish to live is so they might be successful in whatever they choose to do with their life. Mississippi, some of you know, is known as the Magnolia State. Some years ago, there was a grandmother who attended graduation exercises at Mississippi State College, where she watched with great pride as her grandson graduated. This grandmother had not had the advantages that others had. She had quit school in the eighth grade to help her parents raise her brothers and sisters back during Depression days. So after the graduation ceremonies were over, she went back to her small hometown, told all her friends about her grandson's graduation. You know, she said, my grandson's professors must have thought a whole lot of him. 
They gave him a special reward. I don't know exactly what it meant, but they called it Magnolia Cum Laude. <laughs> she went on with her bragging saying, I think his classmates liked him too because they voted him most likely to secede. <laughs> Success to this grandmother was the most desirable thing for her graduating grandson. Many people today would echo that feeling if asked the question, why do you wish to live? They would say, to be a success in life. Of course, all this sort of thinking implies that there's no such thing as failure. That everybody will eventually find that pot of gold at the end of their rainbow. We must succeed. Success is our God. Failure is our devil. But if you were to ask the Apostle Paul why he wanted to live, you'd get quite a different answer. One of the blessings of our Christian faith is that we can be placed in a position whereby we catch sight of ourselves in light of things of eternal value. Then we are able to see things against a broader background, a wider perspective. So let's take the question of the little girl who wanted to study ballet. Let's ask Paul, Paul, why do you wish to live? What do you want most out of life? Well, let's get his answer from Philippians 1, verses 20 and 21. His answer, whether I live or die, I always want to be as brave as I am now and bring honor to Christ. If I live, it will be for Christ. And if I die, I will gain even more. Eugene Peterson in, in his translation or paraphrase of the message says it this way, alive, I am Christ's messenger. Dead, I am his bounty. Life versus even more life. I can't lose. Now, when you set Paul over against the American ideal, you see that Paul is on much safer ground because when we live for success only, then we're riding for a fall. In so many ways, one might look at Paul's life and think he was a total failure. His life was tragic in so many ways. But Paul met failure and lived with it. Take, for example, where Paul was when he wrote those words. He was in Rome, where he had always wanted to be, in order that he could preach to more people from the hub of his world. But he was not free to preach, because when he wrote those words, he was a prisoner in Rome. He had been brought there from Palestine, and it was awaiting trial. He knew that he might be put to death at any time. So suppose Paul had said, for me to live is success, success in carrying the gospel to Spain as I wish. But no, Paul said, life to me means being his servant, and I'll be faithful to him in success or failure. Don't you see how much safer ground this puts us on? Nothing can really thwart us in life. For the Christian, take away whatever you want to, success, riches, houses or lands, business, whatever you will, it makes no difference ultimately. You remember those, that motto that athletes so often hear from their coaches? When the last great scorer comes to write against your name, he will not write whether you won or lost, but how you played the game. If you are out only to win and everything, you may lose. 
But the beauty of Paul's faith is that even though you may lose in the eyes of the world, you can still win. The pages of history are full of examples of men and women who knew why they wanted to live. From all walks of life, we are challenged by those who knew why they wanted to live. They had a higher goal. For example, in the field of science, few discoveries have so blessed humanity as that of radium. Marie and Pierre Curie faced unbelievable hardships and difficulties before they made this discovery. For three years, Marie lived in attic rooms with hardly the necessities of life as she pursued her scientific studies at the university in Paris. And after she graduated, when she married another student of science, she and Pierre worked together. In a miserable old shed, they spent years in research. When the discovery of radium was announced, the scientists of the world praised this unselfish couple. They were offered a fortune for their secret, but they refused to exploit radium for commercial purposes. They agreed that to do this would be contrary to their desire to serve and bless humanity. John Bunyan might have had his liberty, but he chose even in not to have his liberty, even though the needs of his family could make him give up his preaching in public places. So he had a message from God. Therefore, this poor, uneducated, despised man from Bedford, England, went to jail rather than desert the consuming passion of his life. So even from behind bars in a jailed cell, John Bunyan wrote that immortal allegory called Pilgrim's Progress. These people had a purpose in life, a higher goal they wanted to achieve. They knew why they wanted to live. But a far greater example is found in the life, of the ministry, life and ministry of our Lord Jesus, who repeatedly voiced his reason for the work he was doing. Listen to what the Bible says as Jesus speaks. John 4, verse 34. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. John 10, 10. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 12, 27. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. John 18:37 To this end was I born and for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Yes, throughout his earthly ministry Jesus never catered to any special interest groups, nor did he live to preserve existing social customs or to do that which was politically correct in his day. The burning compassion of Jesus was to give to everyone abundant life. Everything he did pointed to this objective. He was always about his father's business. That's why our Heavenly Father could always say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, all about us today, we see people whose lives give us sad examples of those who obviously have set wrong goals for themselves. 
You can ask that question, why do you wish to live? Here's a movie actress who says why she wished to live. She didn't say it in so many words, but her sad death was a direct result of very unwise life choices. When she died, it, it dominated the news. Here's another man, I won't give his name, but he was a man in midlife whose story was all over the news because he had chosen a life of substance abuse, adultery, promiscuity, and generally obnoxious behavior. Another young actress, only in her mid-twenties, gave us a sad story of her life as a celebrity drug addict, as a thief who repeatedly violated probation requirements. Only misery she experienced. On and on we could go, and though I didn't give you names of any of these, you could pick up the newspaper or see on television most any day you would see stories of those in the news who seem to be living life for some other purpose. Let's look at another side of the picture, though. I want to ask you this question, why do you wish to live? Let me ask uh, of these people, and I will give you these names and their ages. Uh, Justin Allen, age 23. Brett Lindley, age 29. Matthew Weikert, age 29. Justice Bartett, age 27. Dave Santos, age 21. Jesse Reed, age 26. Matthew Johnson, age 21. Zachary Fisher, age 24. Brandon King, age 23. Christopher Gerke, age 23. Sheldon Tate, age 27. <clears throat> you don't know all these people? You don't remember their names? All these names I gave you are the names of Marines who gave their lives for us. I believe none of these people were perfect individuals. Some of these may not have even been Christians, but I believe it is safe to say they all had a purpose in life beyond themselves. They gave, the, they gave their lives, lives as members of the United States Marine Corps, and they did it without question. Before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul was concerned with nothing but the persecution of Christians. But that day when he met Jesus, he became a changed man. The years went by during which he faced all kinds of hardships and troubles because he followed Jesus. But as Paul approached the end of his life, he could write from a Roman prison, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul did not have a worthy purpose in living until he met the master face to face. So, have you had such an experience in your life? <clears throat> Do you know the joy of investing your life in the cause of Christ? I don't know who wrote these words, but they speak to our hearts. I had walked life's way with an easy tread, had followed where comforts and pleasures led, until one day, in a quiet place, I met the Master face to face. With station and rank and wealth for my goal, much thought for my body, but none for my soul, I entered to win in life's mad race when I met the master face to face. I had built my castles and reared them high with their towers, had pierced the blue of the sky. I had sworn to rule with an iron mace 
when I met the Master face to face. I met him and knew him and blushed to see that his eyes full of sorrow were fixed on me. And I faltered and fell at his feet that day while my castle melted and vanished away. <clears throat> melted and vanished, and in their place naught else could I see but the master's face. And I cried aloud, Oh, make me meet to follow the steps of thy wounded feet. My thought is now for the souls of men. I have lost my life to find it again. Ere since that day, in a quiet place, I met the Master face to face. Oh God, we pray that even one person listening to my voice right now who has not met the Master face to face may find that our Lord is ready. You have sent Jesus, whose birth we have celebrated during these past days, and you've given us a new beginning with a new year. So we pray, Lord, that as we do meet the Master, whether it's for the first time or whether it's in a renewal of our commitment, that our life may experience the joy that comes as we meet the Master face to face. In his wonderful name we pray.